Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for being here today. I hope that we may be able to share some things that can be building and uplifting to our spirits and will help us in our personal pursuit of excellence. I'd like to base my talk today on a message stated by Jeffrey Holland back in 1981 in which he emphasized opportunity of a lifetime has to be taken in the lifetime of opportunity. This morning, let's look at opportunity in three areas. Let's look at faith, opposition, and friendly support. Sometimes in our, in our lives, opportunities take place over time. Other times, they come in a moment suddenly with a phone call, or perhaps with an interview with a bishop or stake presidency member, or similar means of invitation. Nearly all of these requirements, all of these callings or invitations, require some of our faith and personal commitment and a lot of thought and prayer. A while back, an opportunity came to me quite unexpectedly, and this came with a phone call. And at this time, a very dear friend called me and told me that she had a responsibility to go to Perth, Australia, and to talk to a national conference. She was to give two hour-and-a-half keynote addresses and a half-day workshop. And this did not surprise me at all, considering who she was and the preparations that she had made. And then she said to me, Sally, I can't go. I'm scheduled for back surgery. My doctor has counseled me that I must not travel, and so I cannot do this. Will you take over and cover for me? Well, as you can imagine, I went into a mild state of shock. But I had the presence of mind at least to ask her, when? When are you going? And she said, tomorrow morning. (laughs) Well, experience has taught me that major decisions in life on a general basis should not be made spontaneously. So I said, I'll call you back in an hour. So I sat down and I shook for a few moments, as you might well imagine. And then I called my good husband in and I talked to him about it. I consulted the Lord about it. And then I got to thinking that this was the end of the semester and while all of our classes were over, we were going into final exams. So I called Dr. Bing and my department chair and he explained the situation to him. And he said, go ahead and do it. Then I thought I have commitments relative to graduation that I had made. And so I called Dean Patterson and explained the situation to him. And he said, oh, go ahead and take advantage of this opportunity. And so I thought, okay. And for some amazing reason, I felt at peace about this task. And so I returned my call to my friend. And then I said to her, tell me again about the timing on this conference. And she admitted that she had consented to go over to Sydney, Australia, and do some mini-conferences prior to this big national conference. And so I told her, you go ahead and call your people and tell them you'll be more than happy to come do those mini-sessions for them when you get feeling better. And I'll cover the conference for you. And needless to say, as, as I made this commitment and as I stated that I would go and do this conference, I felt what I'm sure many of you have felt. I felt a cloak of protection 
and peace and support come down over me that is hard to describe. And I soon learned that I was on the Lord's mission with this. And things started to go very smoothly indeed. My husband walked in and said, are you aware that you have a current visa for Australia? Your passport is current. And all of this was needed badly for an immediate departure. And then other things started to fall into place. And I cannot tell you all the wonderful, wonderful, inspiring experiences that happened to me as I prepared for this and as I took off for Australia. When I got to Australia, I was met by an Australian colleague there at the airport who took me to the room that they had scheduled for me. And he said to me, how would you like to go out to the college and take a look at the place where you'll be speaking? I thought, what a splendid idea. Gives you a little peace of mind and security in knowing that this would be there and would be available. And so we went out. And when we got there, I found to my delight that I was scheduled to be in the chapel of this college in Perth, Australia. As I stepped in, well, we were met by the custodian who unlocked the door, which is significant. So he led us in to this beautiful chapel, and it was a huge chapel. And at the very back was a podium on a stand. And on either side, floor to ceiling, were these huge windows where people could look out onto the lake and onto beautiful trees. I thought, what a remarkable setting to be placed in. I mean, if you're going to be there on a last-minute basis, isn't this a beautiful setting? And I felt very good about this. My colleague said, why don't you go up to the podium and we'll test out the audiovisual equipment. And so I went up to the podium, and I looked down, and, and on the podium was the largest Bible I've ever seen. I've never seen such a big Bible, at least in my experience. And this friend said, read something, and we'll test the sound system. So I looked down at this huge set of scriptures, and I looked down, and I found myself in 1 Corinthians 12 and 31. And I read, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet shew I unto you a more excellent way. And I looked rather suspiciously at my friend and wondered if he had come in and deliberately opened the, the Bible to that location, but I knew he didn't know which scripture I would read. But I was just stunned because there is the essence of the message that I had brought to Australia to share with the people there at that conference. And, and this is just the beginning of the story. So the next day, when I delivered my first keynote address, by the way, my friend had been scheduled to deliver one on brain research. And I told him we would need to change that one. But the others I could handle because I had, and I found to my delight earlier that I had already taught classes, printed articles, or shared presentations on the other topics that I was to address, so it was a matter of some minor adjustments, and I was surprised at how well those things fit together. But here I was in the morning about to address this group for this first keynote address, which was not on brain research. And I found to my chagrin a bit that there was a heckler in the audience. Now, I did not know about this man, but my, my colleagues and the ones who had put the conference together knew about him. He was one of the gifted mavericks who are undisciplined and tend to once in a while create a little chaos. 
And he would keep talking to me about things, and he would challenge the validity of my remarks. And at one point, he spoke out in a loud voice and said, What makes you think there's any such thing as gifts or giftedness? And after I'd been through several of these encounters with this man, I automatically flipped back to what had happened the day before. And since it was so fresh in my mind, I cited the scripture to this man. And I told him that the scriptures teach us about gifts. The scriptures teach us about our responsibility relative to these gifts. And that's why I believe that there are gifts, that people are blessed with gifts and with responsibilities to deal well with them. At the end of my keynote, I stood there rather stunned, and I thought, my goodness, how did I ever dare do that? Never, never would I have brought in the scriptures or spiritual connotations at a national conference like that. But because of the situations that happened in sequence, I found myself sharing some gospel principles right in the middle of this Australian conference. At lunchtime, I was cornered by some of the professionals from Australia who came up and asked, how on earth do you ever dare to express religious beliefs as well as academic beliefs? And I told them that there was nothing that was not basically spiritual, according to my beliefs and understanding. The next incident that I'd like to share with you that also occurred at this conference was I was told by the conference conveners, as they called themselves, that they wanted to take a picture of me for the local newspaper with a gifted child. I said, fine, you know, I'll cooperate with this. I said, really, we could use any child as far as the picture is concerned. And they assured me, no, no, you don't know what will happen with this. We must have a gifted child. I said, okay, you line up the gifted child and and we'll have the picture taken. So that evening they called and told me that they had a little five-year-old boy who was a mind-boggler. He was a computer whiz. He had amazed his parents with a sudden fluency in Japanese. They didn't know where he had learned it. (laughs) And they said, this is the little boy that we would like to have come have his picture taken. And I said, fine. So we were scheduled the next morning. So I thought to myself, what gift could I give this little boy that would be from America? And I thought through, and as usual, I take a few things with me to be used as thank you or friendship gifts. And I had three small jars of Bear Lake raspberry jam. I had two beautiful calendars. So I thought through these things. I thought none of these would really impress a little five-year-old boy. Then my mind went back to my hurried departure from Provo, and I remembered um, emptying out my purse and putting only those things back in it that I thought I would definitely need for this experience. And as I did, the last minute I threw in an item that I could use for this five-year-old boy. So the next day, we met, and there were two reporters from the newspaper, and and one stayed with his mother, The other went with us, and we went across the street and sat, and I found myself sitting there at a bench by the river where there were beautiful black swans going by. And I had this little boy telling me about orbiting procedures of spaceships (laughs) as he showed me the book that he was reading. 
So I listened to this little boy tell about orbiting procedures, which incidentally were quite new to me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when we came to a quiet moment, I said to this little boy, I brought you a magic ring from America. And he looked up at me with those big brown eyes, and he said, Magic? Is it really magic? And I said, Not the way most people think of magic, but this ring can do magical things for you. So I put this ring on this little boy, and I said, You tell me what the initials are on the ring. And he did. And I said, Let me tell you what that represents. So I told him what this represented, and I told him that whenever you have an important decision to make, if you look down at your ring, it will remind you to choose the right and to base your decisions on important principles. And this little boy was just absolutely entranced with his ring, far beyond anything I could possibly have imagined. And when we finished and the photo session was over, we went back across the street and he ran up and told his mother about this, and I thought, the roof is going to cave in. <laughs> but you know, he, his mother listened very, very intently to him as he told her about this ring and about the initials and what they represented. And when, when he was finished telling his mother about this, she looked up at me and with feeling in her eyes said, Thank you. You tell me I was not on the Lord's errand and he was not helping with this. So many things like this happened at this conference. My week was absolutely filled with these amazing experiences. And I learned that when you're in partnership with the Lord, you can do incredible things far beyond anything that you imagine that you can do and be successful with. However, it requires some things on your part, too, and the Lord expects you to exert your faith your prayer, and your courage. But I had an absolutely wonderful experience with that. You know, I find that many times, I'm sure you have too, when opportunities confront you, also opposition confronts you. And I have found that while we are told there needs to be opposition in all things, you and I need to come to terms with this. And this reminds me of a favorite parable of mine, that has been an old friend for a number of years. Now, this will be an old friend to some of you, too. And if not, I hope it will be a new friend for all of you. This, by the way, comes from the, from the parables of James E. Talmadge, which were compiled by Albert Sobel, Jr. If you'll forgive me for reading, and I would like to read this in its entirety. It's not very long. And I'm doing so with permission of Deseret Book. These are Brother Talmadge's words. I quote, Sometimes I find myself under obligation of work, requiring quiet and seclusion such as neither my comfortable office nor the cozy study at my home ensures. My favorite retreat is an upper room in the tower of a large building, well removed from the noise and confusion of the city streets. The room is somewhat difficult of access and relatively secure against human intrusion. Therein I have spent many peaceful and busy hours with books and pen. I'm not always without visitors, however, especially in summertime, for when I sit with windows open, flying insects occasionally find entrance and share the place with me. 
I have laid down pen and forgetful of my theme have watched with interest the activities of these winged visitants. With an afterthought that the time so spent has not been wasted. For is it not true that even a butterfly, a beetle, or a bee may be a bearer of lessons to the recipient student? A wild bee from the neighboring hills once flew into the room, and at intervals during an hour or more I caught the pleasing hum of its flight. The little creature realized that it was a prisoner, yet all of its efforts to find the exit through the partly open casement failed. When ready to close up the room and leave, I threw the window wide and tried at first to guide and then to drive the bee to liberty and safety, knowing well that if left in the room it would die as other insects there entrapped had perished in the dry atmosphere of the enclosure. The more I tried to drive it out, the more determinedly did it oppose and resist my efforts. Its erstwhile peaceful hum developed into an angry roar. It dar its darting flight became hostile and threatening. Then it caught me off guard and stung my hand, the hand that would have guided it to freedom. At last it alighted on a pendant attached to the ceiling beyond my reach of help or injury. The sharp pain of its unkind sting aroused in me rather pity than anger. I knew the inevitable penalty of its mistaken opposition and defiance, and I had to leave the creature to its fate. Three days later, I returned to the room and found the dried, lifeless body of the bee on the writing table. It had paid for its stubbornness with its life. To the bee's short-sightedness and selfish misunderstanding, I was a foe, a persistent persecutor, a mortal enemy bent on its destruction, while in truth I was its friend, offering it ransom of the life it had put in forfeit through its own error, striving to redeem it in spite of itself from the prison house of death and restore it to, outer, to the outer air of liberty. Are we so much wiser than the bee that no analogy lies between its unwise course and our lives? We are prone to contend sometimes with vehemence and anger against the adversity which, after all, may be the manifestations of superior wisdom and loving care, directed against our temporary comfort for our permanent blessing. In the tribulations and sufferings of mortality, there is a divine ministry which only the godless soul can wholly, wholly fail to discern. Disappointment, sorrow, and affliction may be the expression of an all-wise Father's kindness. Consider the lesson of the unwise bee. End of quote. Isn't that a lovely parable? How often do we fight against opposition and misjudge the trials of our lives? Might this not be a wise Heavenly Father or a mentor or teacher or friend trying to help guide us to freedom, success, and perhaps life itself? Again, we need to exercise our faith and prayers. And then, quoting an old friend, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think you and I think of this often. I hope you do, as I do, that many times we run into trying times or stress because we just simply are not paying attention to the Spirit and the guidance that we're receiving from a wise and loving Father in Heaven. I believe this spiritual counsel and the value of it in our lives and I believe that there's a wonderful power waiting behind us to support us in, the, in times of trial and trouble and stress. 
And I hope I never forget a quote that was on the bulletin board at the Provo Temple one day. I just love this. The power behind you is far stronger than any opposition before you. And I believe another quote that was taught to me years ago. Life is full of wonderful opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insolvable problems. I think that there are, are incredible challenges for you and for me. And I think when we reach out to take risks and take these opportunities, for some of you, the opportunity right now is education and, and the sacrifices that you're making to fulfill your, your preparation for the mission that the Lord would have you fulfill in your life. For faculty and staff, some of you may have opportunities that you hadn't even dreamed of that come before you, and I think all of these take a great deal of courage and faith. And if we'll just remember that we have a lot more power behind us than any opposition before us, we're in a position to really move forward and, and succeed and have a wonderful experience in our lives. I would like to suggest that there is delightful support available to us. And sometimes we take some of this support for granted. But I'd like to touch lightly on some of the support that you and I are blessed with on this campus. Um, and I can only cover some, so I'm going to stay with those that I, that I know and have been most familiar with recently. I think, first of all, of Brother Wayne Peterson in the Department of Physics and Astronomy, who devotes hours of his time setting up these wonderful visual representations for the physics faculty so that you and I can learn these principles with some audiovisual support that is so important to some of us in our learning style where we need more than just a printed page. Every semester, Wayne Peterson will set up a lot of these physics demonstrations for some of the students in my classes when we go over and have just a wonderful experience as he talks to us about the principles involved and shows us some examples of these principles. He nearly converts us all to a physics major, but he's an incredible young man. I appreciate him. I think of the Museum of Art on campus, our beautiful new Museum of Art. I think of Dr. Campbell Gray, the delightful new director of this museum, and Herman Dutu and Ellen Powley and others of their team. I think of the dreams that they have for you in, in providing exhibits in that museum that will enrich and strengthen your life in the areas of the fine arts. And you'll be amazed at the opportunities that will be coming to that museum for you. And I hope we'll take advantage of this opportunity as we progress with our education. There are similar things happening, of course, at the Monty Bean Life Science Museum. I was just talking to Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith and Doug Cox at the Life Science Museum are setting up a, an exhibit right now in connection with the sesquicentennial so that you and I can go and and enjoy seeing some of the animals that would have been part of pioneer life. And from the sound of it, this should be quite delightful and a wonderful place to go with roommates or family members and take a look at this lovely museum. And I know there are many other museums on campus where they're setting up exhibits to help strengthen and build our lives. We need to take advantage of these opportunities while they're there. I think of the Harris Fine Arts Center that we're in. And the incredible things that happen here, uh, each semester, Brother Walker and his team help some of my students take a tour of backstage theater, which is delightful. It helps us enter new worlds and take a look at things that we hadn't thought of before. 
but there are wonderful things that take place in this building. One night I came over to a theatrical production and was aware that at that time there were two major musical events, three drama productions, an art exhibit, and a TV telecast. Also on campus were three dances and, and two films that night, and I thought, aren't we fortunate to be here, to have these wonderful cultural opportunities available to us? So I hope we take advantage of these and appreciate the people that, that are helping us in this regard. The administration building is becoming a very dear friend to me lately. I have grown to love and appreciate some of the people and gain a great deal of respect and love for the ones that are serving on the admissions committee, registration, records, listen to these, financial services, employment, university police, graduation evaluation, academic advisement, scholarships, purchasing, travel services, benefits, school relations, job and career placement, public communications, and I'm sure this is just the beginning, but all of these things are happening in that administration building where people give hours and hours of their time to help things run smoothly for us here at the university and are there to help answer some questions and help strengthen our lives. It's great. The Wilkinson Center, the great big living room of our campus, is wonderful. It will be more wonderful when we have a little easier access to it, right? <laughs> but right now, even to this day, we can enjoy the bookstore, food services, multicultural services, brand new offices down there in the basement, the post office with a wonderful team of ladies that are just so kind and helpful, scheduling, a barber shop, student association, the Cougar Eat, campus crafts, we have a candy jar, Cougar Creations, the Daily Universe, we have dining services. I have personally appreciated Alec Hunter and the team that work in catering that helps set up wonderful meals for us and banquets and dinners and luncheons. And the Sky Room group, if you haven't eaten in the Sky Room, save up your pennies a little bit and go up and enjoy lunch in the Sky Room. It's delightful. And of course we have campus housing and the Varsity Theater there in the Wilkinson Center. But what a delightful place. It's kind of a fun and supportive place to go when you would like some extra service. I think of the Harold B. Lee Library, as I'm sure you do too, which provides a lot of support, doesn't it, in our academic work. I discovered that there are over 50 categories of services available. You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to read all 50. But know that they are there and that there are people waiting there to help you with textbook needs and with your research papers, with all kinds of services that, that you need help with there in the library. It has been my experience that these people are really very, very kind and courteous. I've been grateful for their special help. I think of guest relations, and this is one you may or may not know about, and the wonderful people in public relations and guest relations. There's a formal title. Under the capable leadership of Ron Clark, and he and his team do a lot to help us with campus tours, correlations of special events, commencement, the president's hosting activities, United Way, hosting of special visitors. Exciting things happen coming out of that guest relations house. 
If you've never been on the campus tour, wait until someone special comes, some family member, someone that's special to you, and call over and book yourself on that tour. It's delightful. Every time I take that tour, I learn more about this campus. And I think, I thought I knew my campus and knew what was going on and so on, but I find that when you take that tour, you learn new things that you never even dreamed about relative to what's happening on campus. So sometime, take the campus tour. I'm sure they, they'd be a little flooded if we all did it at once, but if you'll spread it out over time and do it when you have someone special, I think they would handle that for us. The University Press Building. Okay. In the University Press Building, they oversee all the copy centers on campus. They print 99% of the packets for our classes, some of the textbooks, and in general, they take care of the university's printing needs. This, incidentally, is also a wonderful place to go if you're doing a personal history and would like to have counsel on how to do your final product. They're very skillful in that, and they have a nice copy center there. They also have mail services in there, and I've been grateful for the, the support that I have received from the University Press Building. If we look at media, we should be very grateful for the special services that enrich our lives and support our learning through media. A lot of our films and slides, a lot of these things we may take for granted, but they show up on time, are there ready for us, and as teachers, it is just a dream to walk in and have these things ready to go when we are ready to present the material that we have prepared. I, for one, have especially appreciated Julie Cloward in our college, and I've appreciated Kevin Williamson and Glenda Judy, Marley Rindlisbacher. Each of these people have bailed me out time and again with equipment and audiovisual supplies so that, so that we could really enrich and, and enjoy the learning. I don't know what I would have done without them. And more recently, thanks to Wynne Egan, one of the new dynamos on our campus, <clears throat> we have been doing a CD-ROM with, an instructional in, with the Instructional Technology Center and a team of amazing people on this instructional technology team that really, really know what they're doing. I had no idea that CDs could have such potential for interactive learning. And I participated kind of on the periphery of this so that I could learn more about it and so I could become a little bit more proficient with it. But it's been a delightful new element in my life, and you need to enter new worlds if you want to keep growing. So I'm grateful for these folks, and I encourage you to take advantage, too, of what is available through the Media Center and through instructional technology. Exciting things. Then coming home to my own McKay building, I figure it's mine. I hope everyone else that lives there feels the same way. The David O. McKay School of Education has wonderful, wonderful people, and I can't help but think of our Advisement Center staff, and the delightful team under Sister Lugene Peters, who is there to help the students, to help guide you through your, your program, help keep you out of trouble, help you prepare for graduation. This has been a remarkable team of, of excellent people, and I know that similar Advisement Centers are present across campus, so I hope that whatever your major, whatever your college, that you'll go and get acquainted with the wonderful people in your advisement centers and appreciate the things that they can do for you. As faculty in the School of Education, I need to tell you just briefly about this. As faculty, we are counseled to be involved in scholarly productivity. 
and um, as well as other domains of our academic stewardship. But I noticed that they did some very clever things in the School of Education. They introduced Sharon Black, who came in as an incredible editor for us. So here's someone that will look over our papers and help get things right so that when they go to the publisher, they really look spiffy. We have, we have Steve Burton, our CSR, I'm told, computer service representative, who is forever helping us stay up with our computer needs and coming to help us if something goes wrong. But we can do so much desktop publishing because of his good help. I think of Adrian van Monfrans, who established the undergraduate research trainee program. So we have students that can come assist us, and we have the wonderful opportunity of interacting with these bright young people as, as we do research together. This has been a real blessing. We have Helen Hoops in our Learning Resource Center, who has brought about a lot of materials that have helped back up the research activities and the things that we're doing with our students in this, in this domain. I also think of Julie Cloud, as I mentioned earlier, in our media services and all that she does with audiovisual equipment and media, with our wonderful media lab that is available to our students. I don't know what we would do without this team of, of incredible people, and they strengthen and build our lives and help us to fulfill our callings and to take, again, advantage of these opportunities. I could enumerate a lot of other, or tell you about a lot of other colleges on campus, if, if time permitted, and a lot of other services. I've just tapped the beginning of this, the ones that I've been affiliated with most recently. And I express my appreciation to all of them, to all of those wonderful people who render silent service and not-so-silent service to help strengthen our lives. I think that, in closing, I'd like to share two thoughts with you. One, we're counseled by the Lord. Wherefore, be of good cheer, and do not fear. For I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you. I hope that you can keep this encouraging support of Scripture in mind, Doctrine and Covenants 68 and 6, and realize that the Lord is here for us, wants us to be successful, but expects us to take risks sometimes and reach out and try new things and therefore to grow and, and be strengthened by them. I wanted to share a statement by Richard L. Evans. Here as we close, that we shall move quickly or that we shall perform spectacularly is not of first importance, but that we shall move surely and safely from moment to moment, from hour to hour, and from day to day is a procedure for all who would reach their highest possibilities. For after the portals of this life open and close behind us, we shall have ourselves to live with and our performance to account for. Isn't that true? I pray that we may have sufficient faith in the Lord, courage of our convictions, self-discipline and trust in those around us, that we may take advantage of the opportunities of our lives, that we will appreciate and be humble enough to cooperate with the wonderful people who are really trying to help bless and strengthen our lives, that we may take advantage of the opportunities of our lives in the lifetime of those opportunities. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.